Well, it's so good to be worshipping together tonight. And we're going to continue in a time of worship now as we gather around the table to take communion. Um, I hope you've got some bread or some biscuit and some juice or cordial. Um, if not, there's still time now to run to the pantry or to the fridge. Um, you've got a bit of time before we take communion together. There's no lines anymore to line up for. Um, so you have a bit of extra time up your sleeve. And can I just say how great it is to be able to share communion together. Even as we're all uh, in different places, we can still gather around the table and give thanks together. Just as we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus, I want to read to you some scripture from John 14. And Jesus comforts his disciples here. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that a beautiful truth for us tonight as we reflect on that? It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus and it always will be about Jesus. It's not about us or how good we are or how we can, we can work our way to the Father. It's only through Him, the way, the truth and the life. And so as we come to communion now and we take the physical elements of the bread and the cup we don't do so as a, as a ritual, but as a symbol of reprioritizing Jesus as the focus of our lives, as putting Him as the top priority in our lives. And you know, we, we all have things in our life that can make us busy. There's always something to make us busy. Even in this season of coronavirus, we'll find ways to, to be busy. But it's in these times of reflection that we can place Jesus above all of that. We can place Jesus as more important than anything else in our lives. And in this time, we can lift our gaze from ourselves, from all the things that we've achieved, all the things that we do with ourselves. We can lift our gaze from that and put it back on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So on the night Jesus was portrayed, he was having a feast with his closest disciples and he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given to you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread now, church. Take and eat. We thank you for your body broken for us. We thank you that you bear the weight of our sin so that we don't have to, so that we can be forgiven. We thank you, Lord. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant, my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. So church, wherever you are, let's drink together and give thanks to our great God.
Lord, we just give You thanks that You came to be the way, the truth and the life. And give You great thanks, Lord, that we don't have to bear the weight of our sin, Lord, that You have come in love and mercy and made a way for us to know the Father. And Lord, we reprioritize You now. We put You as the focus of our lives, as the cornerstone of our lives, Lord. And we give You great honour and praise and worship in Jesus' Name. Amen. Church, let's continue to worship Him. Let's continue to praise and lift up our thanks to Him. Let's do that. Amen. That is awesome. Um, it's great just worshipping together. We get the privilege of hearing from um, Pastor Twig right now. Pastor Twig um, oversees a few of our young and old areas in our evangelism. You know he's got a massive passion for people hearing about um, God's love. And so we get that privilege right now to hear from him. So wherever you are seated at home, I want you to put your hands together and give him a shout out and encourage him as we hear from him. Hey, so good to be here tonight. We're just going to quickly pray and then we'll hear from God's Word. Father, uh, we thank You for this honour and privilege to hear from Your Word now. Uh, Bless this time together. Speak to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, it is really good to uh, have you here online. And regardless of where you've just uh, tuned in right now, if you've just come across it or you've been uh, tuning in for many weeks with us, it is really good to have you here uh, tonight. Now, we are right in the middle of a series at the moment called Jesus, the Game Changer to the Ends of the Earth. And uh, if you're just listening tonight, that's okay. But I just wanna do a little recap of what we're doing in this series. Basically, this is a series looking at the impact impact that Jesus has had throughout history on people's lives individually, on communities, nations, uh, and not just in recent times, but throughout history. And so what we discover, and one of the first things we looked at in the first part of this series that we started, was we looked at in in, uh, Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus shares with us, He says to us, hey, um, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to go out. I'm going to empower you and He gives His disciples, He gives His followers a commission to go. Uh, We read that in uh, Matthew 28 as well. We read it in Mark. We read these commands where Jesus says to His followers, I want you to go. I want you to share this good news with people. I want you to um, share uh, the Gospel message with those around you and uh, not just around you, but to the ends of the earth to, to allow this message to impact people's lives, to allow God to impact uh, people's lives. And so it's such a powerful message and it's a commission not just for some, but for every single commission, uh, for for every single Christian, sorry, to go to the ends of the earth, to share uh, this message. So it's important. Now, as we look at this though, we know if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you know, okay, this is a command. This is a commission on my life. It is easy to do that or easier, sorry, because it is difficult to do that, but it's easier to do that when people are open to it or people have asked you questions about it or people want to find out more about it. It is easier to share that message with those that are interested, no doubt. But the question that we need to ask as we look at today's topic around persecution of the church, around opposition of the church, opposition of Christians, the question that we need to ask is, well, 
Uh, what does that look like though when there is opposition? What does it look like when uh, people are coming against you and are, uh, are not for this message of Christ? How do we respond? How do we act? How do we uh, speak into that? There is no doubt it is difficult and it's hard. Now, as we look at this topic, there'll be uh, situations or circumstances where for some of you, you'll feel like, I don't know if this necessarily relates to me, persecution uh, in the church or persecution against me. And certainly in our nation, we probably don't experience persecution in a physical manner, like some people are experiencing persecution around the world. But there are important and powerful principles that we can learn as we look at the persecuted church, as we hear some of their stories, as they share and as we listen to that, uh, there are some really important principles that we can learn from. There is encouragement uh, from that. And so I pray tonight you'll be encouraged as we explore this topic uh, a little bit further. Now, um, you, you may be in a situation in your own life where you're experiencing some sort of opposition, where you're experiencing resistance in some way or another, or persecution of some kind. Now, like I said before, in this nation, we mightn't experience from a physical perspective, but there's certainly emotional persecution, emotional opposition uh, that we experience. Uh, I read or I sorry, saw a, a video clip recently of a young guy, I think uh, in a different state, but a young guy was studying in a university and uh, I think he was studying law or something, doing this degree and he happened to be studying with a friend of his. And as they were just talking and sharing, uh, his friend, she expressed how she was really anxious and, and, and uh, struggling uh, with the, the course that she was studying, that she was pretty overwhelmed. And she said to him, she said, it was something along the lines of, you, you seem to be at peace. Like you, you don't seem to struggle with this as much. You seem to have a, a bit more of a peace. And it just opened up the opportunity for him to share about why he was experiencing peace in his own life. He, he shared a little bit about his faith in God and how God helps him. And they didn't share too long, but they just shared briefly. And then he said to his friend, it was just a private conversation. He said to his friend, do you want me to pray for you? Like I could pray for you around the, the stress that you're feeling, the, the anxiety that you're feeling. And she just said that that would be amazing. Now, she wasn't a Christian. Uh, she didn't believe in what he believed in, but she expressed that she would appreciate that. Now, the story goes something like a couple of weeks later, he gets an email or a phone call from the university stating that uh, he was suspended from his degree and that if he was to show up on campus again, that he would be escorted by security guards off that campus because another student had overheard this conversation and complained that he was, uh, you know, sharing about faith uh, with other students. And so he was taken back and he found it quite difficult. He, he uh, got some uh, support and some help and, and got some advice around this. And uh, long story short, he was able to, they, they suspended his course, but they were able to reintroduce that course and he was able to continue studying uh, the course that he had. But for some of you, that may be a familiar story in which you're experiencing. Maybe it's not at university, maybe it's in your workplace. You've, you've come across some sort of opposition. And like I said earlier, we may not necessarily experience persecution like some experience it around the world, but we certainly experience opposition and we may ex certainly experience an emotional persecution in some way uh, for our faith. But the thing is this, God says, I don't want you to shrink back. God says, I want you to move forward. I want you to go to the ends of 
of the earth and share this message with people. Now, I know it's not easy. This is difficult. This is tough. But there are important principles that we can learn as we look at this topic. So like I said, maybe you have your own story at the moment. Maybe you're going through some difficult circumstances. One of the things that is so helpful when we face this is we discover that Jesus speaks into this. Jesus actually said these words in John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you'll have trouble. Here Jesus is saying, come and follow me. Come and uh, I I want you to join me in this mission in this world. But then he goes on to say, those that choose to follow him, he goes on to say that you'll have trouble. Like like it's clear that it's not gonna be smooth sailing. It's clear that it's not just gonna be like, this is gonna be easy and exciting and thrilling. There's certainly moments of that, but he he pre-warns them that they will experience trouble. Now, Now the encouragement is that he says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But he certainly makes it clear that they will experience trouble. In Luke 10, three, he also says this. He says, when Jesus sends uh, the disciples out on mission, he says, go, basically sending them out. I want you to share this good news. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. That to me sounds pretty intense. It sounds pretty full on. That doesn't sound like an easy task or one that, that, won't, uh, that you won't come across resistance in some way or another. Now, lambs are completely uh, defenceless. They have no way of defending themselves. And Jesus says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to share this message with, with all humanity. But I just want you to know as well, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. We know wolves are ferocious and they come to kill and destroy and here we are like lambs going out. So we know in the midst of persecution, we know in the midst of opposition and difficulty and trials, as we endeavour to share this message with people, that uh, it's gonna be tough. And one of the things that helps us as we endeavour to do this is as we discover that this, this is actually normal. If, if this very night you're sitting there and you're thinking, hey, I know what it's like to experience opposition. I know what it's like to experience emotional persecution in some way or another. I want you to know tonight or, or to be encouraged tonight that you are, you are not alone in this, that this is actually uh, normal. Jesus said this, this will happen. You'll experience difficulties. You'll experience opposition. You're not alone. Uh, there's a... A quote that states this, um, a well-known pastor from Africa was once sharing a story of a very challenging time in his family. And as he was asked how he deals with this difficult situation in life, to this he responded, I don't ask the question, why is this happening? But rather, where is God? And the good news tells me that God is with us in whatever circumstances we face that God is with us. This is the other, uh, the other thing that I experienced in my own journey that I remember when, and, and don't get me wrong, it probably wasn't a, a really intense full on time, but I remember at about 18 and a half when I first came to faith and uh, you know, God had transformed my life and I experienced the power of God and it was all new to, to me. I'd already started my carpentry apprenticeship at the time and I was working with a couple of builders. And again, you know, maybe I was a bit naive, maybe I was a bit softer, I, I don't know. But as I started this apprenticeship, 
apprenticeship. And when you're an apprentice, you kind of cop a little bit of flack anyway. And, and I was working for these guys. But, but when I became a Christian about halfway through my first year of my apprenticeship, uh, I was actually quite excited about telling the guys that I'd become a Christian. I was excited about the transformation that was taking place uh, in my life. And as I uh, began to share this and express this with the guys that uh, I worked with, I was surprised or shocked at the fact that they weren't as keen as it, uh, as keen as I was. I thought this was exciting, extraordinary. And what happened for the next three and a half years was a daily, ongoing, uh, just a ridicule around my faith, a ridicule around, you know, believing in Christianity, believing in God and all sorts of stuff. And to be honest, it was an incredibly difficult time for me. It was, it was very tough. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking, well, why don't you just try and find an apprenticeship with another builder? And, and to be honest, every single day I would drive to work and every single afternoon I would drive home and I'd be praying, God, please get me out of here. I don't wanna, I don't wanna you know, confront this day in and day out. It was a really tough uh, time for me. But I really sensed that God had said to me, no, I want you to stay. I want you to stay. Now, hindsight's an amazing thing, but it's quite a, it was quite a powerful time for me. And, and I, would never want, I would never want myself to go back into that again. But in hindsight, I can honestly say that through that time, that three and a half years of difficulty, God did amazing things. That He, he worked in me and my, my spiritual uh, fervency, my spiritual hunger, my relationship with God just grew on a level that I know would not have grown if I hadn't experienced that or gone through uh, those difficult years. And, and I saw the hand of God at work. That was the other thing. I grew so spiritually, but I saw the hand of God at work in and through my life. There were, there were days where I would you know, lose a tool or something of one of my bosses or, or I would do something wrong. And I remember just going to prayer in my head, please God, help me here. Please God, help me to do this right. Please God, help me not to, to stuff this up because I know I'm gonna get in trouble or ridiculed or whatever it might be. It was just a day, my prayer life went through the roof and I could see in hindsight now how God used that time. Would I want that for my life now? Well, the, the truth is I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't wanna go through that again, but God moved so, so sovereignly in that time and I saw uh, the hand of God uh, so powerfully at that time. And that's what this quote says at the end there. But the question that, that uh, the, the question uh, or to this pastor in Africa, he says, he responded, I don't ask the question, why is this happening? Which is a common thing. Sometimes we might ask that, but rather where is God? And the good news tells me that God is with us in whatever circumstances of life. So I wanna encourage you tonight. Maybe you're sitting there and you know what it's like. You're going through some difficult circumstances, some tough stuff at the moment. Know tonight that God has not abandoned you, but in fact, He is with you. It tells us in the Bible that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you know, know tonight this, that God is with you in the midst of this. And despite how you might feel, His hand is at work. He is working in you and through you, despite how you might feel. There's a quote by Mike Gore. He's the CEO of Open Doors. And he states this, he says, I grew up in a comfortable culture and a beautiful country. And when I meet uh, with the persecuted church, they talk to me uh, about the simplicity of their gospel is being able to articulate who Jesus is and what He's done in your life. But when I look at my own life, 
I feel that the relative safety of culture and the stability of the economic climate that I've grown up in, and when I look back, it makes it more and more difficult to see where the hand of Jesus has been, the highs and the lows. Whereas in the persecuted church, they could speak to you for days, for hours about what Jesus is to them, what He's done in their life, the transformation He brings, why He matters to you. That's a powerful quote. Why? Because they're explaining, yes, persecution is so difficult, but they see the hand of God so clearly. Now, we would never want you know, persecution on our own lives. It's not something we would necessarily want to pray into, but there is something quite powerful as we see the hand of God at work. I recognise this isn't easy. I recognise that it's tough in the place of opposition. And like I shared, for some of you, you're facing that in your workplace. For some of you, you're facing that in your very family. There are people in your family that uh, you know, don't want you to go down this direction of faith. It's not easy. It's tough. I came across this other quote, which was quite a challenge though, as, as this Chinese underground church leader expressed though the value of the persecution for their nation and for the church. Now it's hard to swallow, it's difficult, but he almost expresses the value of persecution. Uh, and it's, he states this again, it's by Mike Gore as he interviewed uh, an underground uh, Chinese church leader. In one instance, he says, I remember he was 70 or 80 year old Chinese believer from the underground church. And as our time together drew to an end, I simply said to him, brother, can I pray for you? This is Mike Gore saying to this, to this leader, can I pray for you? And he says, yeah, I, I want you to pray. Persecution never leaves China. I remember I paused and I said, can you explain that? Which I probably would have been the same. Can you explain that? He said, well, we look at the Australian church as a prophetic example of what happens when faith becomes free. He says, the value of Jesus drops. I want to pray persecution never leaves China. What a challenge, an incredible challenge that uh, here in this example, uh, this underground church sees the value of persecution. Now, like I said, it's not easy, but they can see how persecution uh, builds a resilience, a hunger, a thirst, a desire for God uh, in their lives. I wanna read another article uh, around this. Uh, I remember a little while ago, I went to an Open Doors event and a guy by the name of Ron McMillan was sharing and he shared this story. But I also saw it in an article uh, recently and I wanna share this with you. He's talking again about persecution and it, set, it states this, imagine if the devil had the barrel of a gun pressed towards your temple and said, renounce Christ or I'll pull the trigger said Li Chin, a Christian from China. It's likely you would find the courage not to deny Christ and the trigger would be pulled. But what if the enemy took you to a warehouse and said, you can have it all. A big house, money, family, cars, food, riches. You can even have Jesus sitting on a throne. It wouldn't be long until we were so focused on playing in the blessings of Christianity we didn't even realise Jesus Christ had left the room. It's a challenge. 
It is such a challenge to us in, this, uh, in our church, in our context, in this nation. We don't experience physical, perse- physical persecution like some around the world do. And it's a reminder that uh, the power of persecution and what we can learn from the persecuted church in our Western culture. And so what do we learn? What can we learn from the persecuted church? Well, as I was reflecting upon this and hearing some of these stories and reading about some of the stories from the persecuted church, my wife and I were just sharing and, and reflecting on it. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, there's something, there's a healthy challenge about these stories for me personally. As I read these stories of those that, uh, you know, uh, face beatings for their faith, those in some circumstances get guns pulled on them, uh, for those in some circumstances that ha- have a knife put to their throat, you know, renounce Christ. Uh, as I hear some of these stories, yes, there's a, there's a situation where I go, you know, we don't face that here in this nation, but it has been a healthy challenge to me to think, wow, yes, I don't face that. So when it comes to me to sharing and going to the ends of the earth, there's something in me that says, I could probably be bolder. I could probably be more courageous then because I'm not facing these circumstances or all these difficulties. I'm not facing the persecution that they're facing. I can be bold. I can be courageous. That the next time God calls me to go and share with a neighbour, the next time God calls me to go and speak with someone in the shopping centre, it made me think, what's the worst that could happen? I may share with them or start up a conversation. They might say, mate, I'm I'm completely disinterested. I want a bar of that. Uh, They may think I'm, uh, you know, weird or whatever it might be. There's all these fears that rise up within us. But when I read these stories of the persecuted church, there's something encouraging about it for me that says, hey, I, I don't face some of the circumstances that they face. So I can be bolder. I can be more courageous. And as you hear this tonight, I pray that for some of you, you too would be be able to be bold and courageous as you're encouraged by these stories. That as God calls you to go to the ends of the earth, as God calls you to go to your street, your neighbourhood, the people uh, that you interact with where you drop the kids off at school or where they play sport, as God calls to the people around you, know this, be encouraged by this, that you won't experience the persecution like some around the world do and that that can be an encouragement to you to know, hey, I can be bold. I can be courageous. I can step out in this, this very situation in which God calls me to. I wanna read a, a final story uh, with you. It's a, it's a long story, but it, uh, I think it's best for me to read it rather than paraphrase so I get it right. It's a story that's quite impacting, a story of a guy uh, who was persecuted deeply for his faith. Now, I will just say this, there's some parts that are quite full on here. And so if you have some young uh, children listening, you may uh, want to just be careful around that. But it says this, it's about a guy by the name of Samson. I wanna paraphrase to you the first part of this story. Samson, uh, um, he's from a Muslim background and used to persecute Christians severely. And uh, again, uh, this is an interview with him. But what happened was he was on his on the road one day walking to another village and he literally, it was almost like a Damascus Road experience where uh, Saul in, was encountered by God himself. And Samson was walking along the road and he heard an audible voice and God spoke to him. And he began, as the story goes, he began to uh, commune or talk with God. And God spoke to him and began to 
talk to him about why he persecutes Christians. And, and it, this, this dialogue goes on for 40 minutes. At the end of this, he ends up falling to his knees, surrendering his life to God and, and submitting his life to, to the um, Lordship of Jesus Christ. His life from that moment was turned upside down. And this is where we pick up on this story. Uh, it says, as he's being interviewed, it says, Samson told me he fell to his knees in the street and gave his life to the Lord. He then began walking from village to village, sharing the gospel and telling people there is only one way, Jesus Christ. One day as he was walking to a village, he saw, he saw a um, Mujahideen, Islamic extremist coming towards him, carrying a knife and a gun. Mujahideens are known for their violence and ferocity towards believers. And Samson said, I didn't wanna share the gospel with him, but the Lord told me to tell him that. I love him and died for him. Samson tried to ignore it, but he said the Lord told him four times to say it. So with great worry, he approached the Mujahideen and began to share the gospel. After 20 minutes, the Mujahideen broke down and began to cry and said, I was looking for a God who loves me, loves, um, loves me with me, a God who loves me, and now I am a Christian. Samson told me how he would continue to preach the gospel from town to town, but people would beat him often until his face was bleeding. After his conversion, his parents, relatives and local mullahs came together and forced Samson, his wife and two children to leave. His parents told him, choose Christianity, you have nothing. Choose Muslim and this is your home. Samson said he didn't know where to go. His father said to him, leave now, I will not bless you. I will curse you. And Samson replied, father, Everything that is mine is yours. The only thing where I disobey you is my faith in my God. And I pray that God will let me serve you until your last days. Today, you're not casting me away. You're sending me to my ministry. For the next year, Samson would go to his father's house once a week and do all the yard work. His family would give him no food for the whole day. And at 4 p.m. each day, um, the family would come and ridicule him, trying to get him to convert back to Islam. After 12 months of this pattern, Samson told me that his sister gave her life to Christ. And after 18 months, his brother did too. His parents are still not Christian, but in Samson's words, they now protect him rather than persecute him. Samson eventually became a pastor. And one day when he was worshipping in church, a group of Islamic extremists burst into his church. They had guns and knives and were yelling that they'd kill all nationals. Samson asked the congregation to hold hands and pray. And he began to say out loud, Lord, bless our nation and come into our nation. Give us many ministers. The Mujahideen, the leader of the extremist group, entered the circle and began to beat him until there was blood all over his face and eyes. Samson said to the guy who beat him, brother, I love you because God is love. Jesus has died for you. Even if you kill me today, when you go to him, he will hug and accept you. The Mujahideen then placed the gun to his head and pulled the trigger three times 
and it failed three times. The Mujahideen and his army all ran away in terror after that. And Samson told me how the atmosphere in the church turned to joy and praise to God because the presence of God came upon us. They began to praise the Lord. They then went outside, but another group was waiting for them. Samson began to preach that only Jesus can save. The Mujahideen said they can have one more week and that the next Sunday night they would come and kill him. Every evening for the next week, they'd come and beat Samson. And every time he would share the gospel with them and would tell them that Jesus loves them and he died for them. The next Sunday night, they came at 2am to kill him. Eight people with machine guns and knives. They said, come with us, Samson, uh, come with us. Samson could not see their faces as they were uh, wearing black headscarves. He told his wife, my friends have come and I'll be back in the morning. When you hear my voice, then open the door. His wife locked the door and Samson was taken. The terrorist said, today is the last day for you. Jesus is not a God. He will not save you. They took him to a garbage tip and said, clean the garbage pile. He cleaned it and then kneeled down. The Mujahideen came and grabbed his hair and pulled his head back and placed a knife on his throat. They said, what do you wanna say? And Samson responded, Jesus loves you and I forgive you. They asked him, do you accept Islam? And he said, no, I've found the truth. The creator of the earth and heaven and all mankind, people created religion, God created holy work. Please reveal your work to my brothers here, salvation, protection for their families and let them know that my blood is not on their hands. Please bless their families and I forgive them, amen. The Mujahideen screamed, are you a fool? We want to kill you and you are blessing our families? Samson replied, I see you as my brothers. Jesus said, pray for your family. The Mujahideen then said, go home. We will come again and take you. Two weeks later, while Samson was checking the locks on his church, one evening, 30, uh, 30 people and two Mujahideens came back. They said, we wanna talk and asked if Samson recognised them. He said, no, because I can only see your eyes. They said, we are those that wanted to kill you. And Samson replied, if you want to kill me now, please give me five minutes. I have been working so much and I didn't get time to hug my children. I, I will not let them know you're going to kill me and I will come back. The Mujahideen said, we are not going to kill you and began to tell Samson a few nights earlier, 24 heads of the terrorist group came down from the mountains at night and were walking along the road, but were ambushed by the government. The two leaders at the front of the group said, we laid on the ground with bullets flying over us from all four sides. We couldn't raise our heads as they, would get um, as they would get shot. Then one of the leaders said, while we were laying there, we saw you and you came to us and said, throw yourselves into the water and you will survive. And the two of us jumped into the water and we survived. The 22 other leaders were killed. They asked Samson, how did you manage to come to us? And why weren't you shot? Samson replied, I was not there, but my God sent an angel who looked like me because I am his servant. He did it for you to come, 
He did it for you to come to me to tell you Jesus loves you, died for you and can give you salvation. The leader said to Samson, do you wanna see my face? And Samson said, you have stopped me. You have stopped me and hit me so many times. Why do I need to see your face? God sees your face. The man said to Samson that he'll never fight again. They threw open their arms and said to the soldiers behind them, this Christian tells the truth. I will accept Jesus. And they responded to Christ then and there. This is a powerful story again from the persecuted church. What can we learn from the persecuted church? One, we understand that God is with us in the midst of opposition, in the midst of persecution. Two, we discover and see the hand of God as we move forward in the midst of that. We see His work at hand. And three, it is encouragement to us as we hear some of these difficult stories of those that are facing persecution, that we can hear these stories and that there can be a, a encouragement, not a guilt, but an encouragement that we don't face these types of stories here in this nation, that when we go out and when God calls us to share this message with those around us, we can have an encouragement that that we won't be facing this extreme example, but we can have encouragement to share boldly and courageously with those around us. I pray tonight that you'll be encouraged as you hear these stories. I pray tonight that as you are in the midst of persecution and opposition or difficult times in this season, that you'll see the hand of God at work, that you you'll know that He is with you, that this isn't out of the ordinary. In fact, this is normal. Jesus warned us that we would face this situation. And I pray that this week, next week, this year, in the remainder of your life, you will walk in the encouragement that God is with you, that He empowers you and that you can speak with boldness and with courage. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word and we thank You that encourages us. I pray for those in this current season that are facing difficulty, emotional persecution in some way, emotional opposition in some way or another. I pray that they would see Your hand, that they would know Your nearness, that they would uh, be encouraged that You are with them even in this difficult time. And I pray, Lord, for all of us that as we read these stories, as we hear and see uh, the persecution church around the world, that it might be an encouragement to us to speak with boldness and courage that You would continue to use our lives for Your kingdom purposes, we pray. We love You and we thank You. And we pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, we are gonna worship and give thanks to our great God. So why don't we do that now as we reflect on His Word. Let's let's honour Him now. Well, Lord, we wanna thank You um, once again for just Your beautiful Word, Lord, that speaks to our hearts, Lord. Um, And Father, we just pray right now that You just keep stirring in our hearts, um, speaking to us throughout this week, Lord, that we may go and love people, Lord, and follow You for the rest of our days. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us um, tonight on our live stream. Um, if tonight at all God's spoken to your heart and you want to know more about Jesus or throughout tonight you've given your life to Jesus, you've responded to Jesus, well, I want to encourage you if you're on bridgman.live, if you're streaming through that platform, just click the button. 
um, to respond there and that will allow us to be able to get into contact with you and be able to help you through that journey. Same thing with Facebook, you'll see those feeds popping up. Alternatively, you can go on to hello at bridgman.org.au and you can just email us. Um, it's just so um, awesome to be able to do that journey with you and to be able to answer any of those questions. If you have a prayer request as well, um, know that you can go on to prayer at bridgman.org.au and, and just email through. And we are people that are ready just to pray um, and do that journey with you. Um, and so we, we just want to thank you for joining us. We just pray you have an incredibly blessed week and um, may you know more of God's love in your life. See you next week. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.